This podcast is brought to you by Zeno Mueller, three-time Olympian and gold medalist. Imagine a 20-second 2K PR by the end of this season, or even sooner. Elite rowing coach by Zeno Mueller is a competitive advantage. The ERG score is the SAT of rowing, so find out what Zeno Mueller can do for you. Make sure to use coupon 4STARS, F-O-R-S-T-A-R-S, for $200 off on any program he has on his website. Zeno is an Olympian and graduate from Brown University, coached by the legendary Steve Gladstone. He'll get you right, he'll get your 2K down, and he'll be a better athlete after his training. So make sure you tune in with Zeno and get some coaching at EliteRowingCoach.com. On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick. Welcome, everyone, to the Four Stars Podcast. We have the legendary Rory Crookshank on the Four Stars Podcast today, co-founder of Allmark One. Rory, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. How are you? I'm doing great, as you guys, as you guys say. Cheers, you know? Doing, doing <laughs> but anyways, uh, look, uh, Rory's created an entire you know fan base. People, everyone knows Rory Crookshank in the UK, especially here in America. You know, he's w- really well known. Uh, you are Rory. You are. You know. You're... That's great. That that's something. That's something that you de- you tend not to hear. I don't know. Like it, it's it's very much like behind the scenes. I do the work behind the scenes at the companies. So. Right, right, right. But I mean, you know, All Mark One's got lots of followers. A lot of people know about you. Um, but I want to talk about how this actually started. How All Mark mm-hmm. One was first. You know, the idea was thought of, and then how you wanted to you know, to plan it and to really get into motion. So if you can dive deep into that, that'd be great. The businesses that were out there when I was rowing didn't do the type of coverage that that I was looking for. It was either too expensive or there weren't enough photos or uh, especially as social media started to grow. Uh, I think we we would, as an athlete, you kind of wanted volume and you wanted cool images to, to show off. Uh, not necessarily just like the same side-on racing shot every single time of like the whole boat. There were never any, any individual images, all those type of things. So me and two of my mates, Rich and Alex, uh, just put together like an Instagram account, just just deciding that we were going to show off those type of photos that we liked shooting, thought they looked cool. We took a lot of inspiration from, from other people in the sector at the time, uh, Ben Rodford and Ian Weir and stuff, like single one, one guy band type thing that, that went out and shot events. We took a lot of inspiration from them and then put our own little twist on it. As kids, from the business side, we were able to come in a lot lower just because our our costs were very different and that was that was really cool but all of us were still rowing in the background rich and i were both coxes and alex rode the amount of time and effort that we could put into the business was was limited there were a lot of events where we'd all like share the camera between us and there'd be some races where there just weren't any photos because all three of us were on the water at the same time and that type of stuff so as as the business kind of professionalized on its way through, we kind of brought in more staff. We started doing more events. And overall, like an easy way of saying it is we, we just kind of like committed to taking photos a little bit more than making cool Instagram posts. We decided that we wanted to try and sell them and, and we wanted to try and get other people using our photos as well. The final step was kind of stopping rowing for, for all of us. Alex moved out to America where he originally came from and has stepped away from 
from running the business and is just a, a lovely shareholder now. And then Rich and I still run the business alongside our team of 12, maybe 13 people now, uh, which is great, but none of us row anymore. We we are fully committed to to shooting the sport. I think it's really important that you've done the sport, but, but especially to be able to, to commit some time into making sure the content looks good. We've kind of not We've got to have every weekend free, basically. One of the things I learned from you is that you you had a something in mind, like you wanted to go after and you went after it. You know, there wasn't no, you just go, oh yeah, it will happen eventually. You went after it immediately. And that's what, that's what makes me like realize, you know, okay, you know, I'm not the only one out here trying to have an idea. You know, there's other people in rowing that are, are very, very determined too to, you know, create something bigger than the sport's ever seen before. And that's what you're doing yeah. right now. Um, Where's but- it? Same oh. for you, and it's the same for you and your podcast, right? It's there's some rogue fact that's like if you do more than three episodes, you're in the you're in the top ten percent of all podcasts that have ever happened, and if you do like more than fifty episodes, you're in like the top one percent of all podcasts that have ever happened. It's kind of that consistency. It's that even when everything's kind of telling you that it's not working, or that there's like a better way of doing it, or maybe you should just go and get like a normal full time job and, and work as like you know, in an office building somewhere to try and, I don't know, like you, you double down and you bet the house again uh, is, a, is an easy one that, that I kind of learned a few years ago was that for a business of a small size, sometimes you do just have to like bet the house and try try something that you're, and then commit to it. If you kind of half commit, you're probably only going to get half the gains, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think consistency is going to take people far in anything they do, you know, uh, rowing or or just being a human, just if you put your mind on something, you know, discipline is very important. Um, I think it comes it comes from the sport, right? Like I think we're we're both the same in that, and lots of people that we work we work with is very similar as well. Uh, Eamon, a guy that we both know, is is a is the same. There are lots of people in the sport that that are in the UK that are in the same type of thing. Of once you've been a a high performance elite. The high level athlete as most rowers are i think you kind of learn that when winning stops happening you have motivation and when you lose motivation you've got discipline and as soon as you whereas most people will bail after the first step most athletes have have both got like motivation after winning but also like the determination and discipline to to go even when the motivation is in the bin when it's snowing outside and it's really cold and it's actually just pretty dodgy out there like there's there's that discipline of yeah but i i have to get up and do this anyway okay we're in a process at the moment in the uk where for maybe the last four months nearly every single regatta and head race has been cancelled which definitely affects our bottom line as a business in a really easy way and it's kind of like we're we're no longer winning with all the like with all the events getting cancelled the amount of motivation that we're having is is definitely lower so it's that like level of discipline that keeps you going at at the bottom level rory i think you should start your own podcast (laughs) you should man i'm not even lying to you look i think you know we talked about you already kind of stole my question because we're talking about beforehand, but I was I was gonna ask, you know, what have you learned in, in rowing that is you know transferred over to the business side of things? But I mean, if you can add some more to that, that'd be great. That's a really key part. I think the other key thing that the rowing's actually quite good at is in the UK we'd call it like gamesmanship of just that like when when you're competing against someone, you're not willing to take like the low blows and 
I definitely know that from from our business side, when we set up the business when we were like 15 years old, we've been there and made mistakes in the past. There are definitely times where we took low blows at people that definitely didn't need them. And like that happens, it happens in sport too. But I think as you grow up and you kind of realize that, especially as like an athlete, people can move clubs and people move teams and more of a common thing in America with transfers and stuff. Less common here in the UK, but it does happen, especially at the high performance end. Being able to like be a person that can leave one group and go to the other or can work across teams that are your competitors on a daily basis. But, you know, if you get selected for a national team or something in the summer, being able to kind of put all of that behind you and pull together like a really fast boat or for us, like a really high performing team is really key. And I think that's something that you learn in sport as well. Whereas in in business, I think if you're, you start up business on your own with no no sporting background or anything like that. I think sometimes you take you take the easy wins that might be quite small, but that kind of ruins you when you kind of want to get the the big win later on. You got to do like a teamwork or like you bring multiple companies together. You can shoot yourself in the foot a bit there by by killing off those relationships early. Hundred percent. Something that I learned in this podcast is like there's people that really want to talk about the sport. They actually want to share their story and they want to you know be open. And there's those coaches. Oh. There's those coaches that just want to keep everything inside. They don't want to talk about their their, their quote unquote secrets. Uh, you know that, that magic sauce. You know what does it take to be you know the best at what they do? So I pulled up a Q and A. There's some pretty funny questions. I hope you're ready to do some editing, Hudson. This is good. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will be. I will be. Uh, but the first one isn't isn't really funny. It's just more of you know it's actually a great question from my man Turner. Uh, he says. Favorite Cox recording to listen to or study? I think it changes quite a lot. I'm pretty biased. The amount of like Brooks Cox recordings that I've listened to over the years were, were pretty key. I remember at school listening to Rory Copas's 20, I'd like to say 2014 Belmont Hill semi-final video, something like that. That was really cool. Uh, I think as a as a junior Cox, that's kind of what, what you're looking for. As junior rowers, you need a little bit more motivation. You need a bit more like emphasis to push hard. So I think a bit of screaming and shouting definitely goes a long way. Whereas I think later on, something like the, I've forgotten the date. Now, I'd like to say like 2017 ladies plate. Maybe I'm thinking the wrong year, maybe 2018. Brightmore's recording of that, which was like the complete other end of the scale of just like talking their way through the course. And then you just like turn the screw in the last 200 meters. Definitely like dictated the way that a lot of like my group of coxes at Brooks were were coxing like whether that's just because the athletes wanted it the athletes were like that's exactly what we want to listen to or whether we just thought that 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 was the way that that we wanted to do it i definitely think we've seen a, a huge change in coxing over the last few years with with those type of videos scott Cockle included, uh, really some really cool ones. I mean, if you're if you're going down a head race now and you're the cock screaming your head off at like a university or a, a high performance crew, everyone's a bit like they're probably working hard enough already. You could probably talk your way through it. I think that's that's a big change over the last you know five or six years. If, like six, seven, eight years ago, people would have been screaming their way down the course, and someone would have been like, "That guy knows what he's doing." But actually, I think it's I think it's changed a bit now. Yeah. Did you ever? This is not a part of the Q and A, but you mentioned that when you hit that college high performance level, is when you stopped cutting out a lot of that motivation. How did you learn to talk your way down the race course? There's a lot of yeah. times like we're 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 motivating so much, and then we almost I mean, for some people, can lose track of okay, this is actually like I got to keep you know this crew, you know, level. 
can't just be shouting yeah. all the time. I think weirdly it started by me just like me and my coach. I had a great coach, Chris Williams, that that coached my coxing when I was at school. Uh, I went I went to the coop, which was we raced a load of European countries. I did that in the coxed four. We did we did pretty well, so that was good. But then my next step up was to try and make a world championships the year after, uh, and that required a lot of coxing recordings and and really nailing that down. I think on a really easy sense, it's significantly harder to critique yourself when you're screaming down a microphone and you can't really tell what you're saying, what you were trying to say or where you're trying to go with it. So even just talking your way through that bit is really important. I played the drums when I was like four to 12 years old before I, before I did rowing. And I think like there was there was that massive like grading level of you can't get above this stage unless you can use levels of volume is like a really easy way of doing it. Like if you're all at the same volume all the time, you can never get above, you know, a D grade, basically. Uh, and I think that that's pretty key for coxing as well. If you've only got one tone the whole time, you're never going to be able to step up to a different level. You've got to be able to, to switch on and switch off and talk and have jokes and like be able to chat to the crew but also be able to change your tone at like a moment's notice and everyone else in their head already understands that, that everything's got so everything suddenly changed without you having to say anything just the way that you've changed your tone means that everyone starts listening and everyone starts like reacting and the laughing stops etc oh totally i hear you on that one of your favorite chaps may, have, may or may not have mentioned what's been your hardest photo to get that is a really hard one i think like Lots of the photos that I like as me as a photographer is not the best photographer. I know how to do it, but to be honest, like I take photos because it works well for the business. I really enjoy doing it, but at the end of the day, like I'm not, I'm not an expert photographer. So some of my photos that would be really hard to get are actually, <laughs> they're just massive accidents. Uh, I had a really cool one this year from, from Head of the Charles. Uh, we went out in the launch with, with the Leander Menze, which was really fun. Uh, and they, they did like a, we went and followed the double for a bit and we turned the launch around and the ape was doing, doing a spin in the opposite direction and whacked on like the biggest lens we had possible. And I've got this cool photo of the entire Boston skyline with, with the Leander 8 in front of it. And that's, that's sick, but a total accident. The ones that we can't get accidents of are probably like boat race wins. Those are the big ones. We have one shot. Like the ones that I take are, are boat race wins. Uh, we've got some great guys, Rich and Rory and uh, other Rory and Lucinda do our, do our Henley final wins. Uh, and to be honest, that's probably an even harder job. You've got to be able to get the same photos event after event after event in the heat time after time. So those are probably the hardest for the business to get. But for me, something like a boat race win or something is we have one shot to try and get the cock standing up, looking at the camera, pointing the finger type thing. And if we miss that, then you know, someone else will have got it instead. Now, there's another question too from the same person. Favorite style? Style of photography. I like photography style is, is documentary. Like I think that's that's where we do well in the business is um, we kind of like the, the big thing that I'm trying to sell is that we make your memories last forever, which is which is pretty key. You want to be able to look at a photo of ours and know exactly what you were doing, how you were feeling, what event it was, where you were, etc. Um, you can put cool filters on stuff. We can take arty blurry shots and stuff like that, which is which is cool. It's kind of the stuff that you'd see in a waiting area of a hospital or something. Like they're they're really cool photos. It's not the type of thing that you'd 
you'd have in a photo album or in a book that you'd show your grandkids in in 50 years time and I think that's something that that I kind of want to put in is that when someone looks back on their rowing career whether it started in 2015 or whether it starts in 2024 that 99% of the images there are, are ours that's amazing the last question from this person where are all the vlogs <laughs> yeah like this time last year I basically was like we're gonna do more YouTube videos and we just didn't life gets busy I guess I think it like really easily like we try and limit our staff to the exact exact number that we need if that means that every single person is at 100 percent all day that's kind of where we're at i'd really love to grow it to the point where i can have a behind the scenes videographer follow us around for a day i think that would be really cool i'd really like to see it in the future i'd love to look back on it in like 20 years time and and look at all the stuff that we've been doing we all the team do try and take cool videos on their phones just so that we can all look back on them in a few years what one day we'll bring them all back now this is i'm, I'm gonna ask you can you guess who that person was i actually have no idea no like someone's asked a lot of good questions there yeah that that was your man epg man aiming glad look i mean that's the q a we didn't really get too many questions there which is all right you know sometimes we get a bajillion more for the coaches though on the college scene uh because yeah they're they're all all trying to get recruited man that's trying to get recruited uh, the whole, the whole, the whole... I'm not hiring anyone at the moment i've taken on <laughs> another two hires in the last like two months i'm i'm doing all right Never. Yeah. if you're really good at photography call me we'll yeah. that. exactly so this is uh gonna go back into the back into the podcast here but something i think i i noticed about you is you don't really care who's uh who you're taking photos of you just take photos of everybody in rowing there's like not like a specific crew that you're trying to follow i think that's what's pretty cool is too is like sometimes photographers only want to get shots like the best people you know you're just getting photos of everybody which is which is awesome yeah. i think like some some teams definitely do better on social media than others now if we if we shoot a big event and we we need to get that post out to as many people as we can like we we go for clubs but actually like the big the big point is especially on an instagram carousel post you got you got 10 10 images to make the most of if we post five of the same club there's only so many times that they're going to be able to share that content i think the the big part is is sharing and having that community behind us so if that means that 10 different clubs and 10 different age groups have their photos in it and that works great for us we also do a lot of a lot of like large events and small events uh, and lots of big clubs don't go to the small events so like that's kind of their section to like really shine it's something to work on like i think as over time like we've we've done quite well in there we've tried to stick to our roots we know that junior rowing is really important to us so although none of us are involved in junior rowing anymore we still go to the junior trials and support all of that for free. Went to GB France last year, went to the Coupe, support the junior GB team as much as we can. Uh, and that comes out of our own pocket. So like from the business perspective, like it's a marketing thing, but actually like it's it's just something really nice that we like to do. I remember that being a junior, I would have died for that type of content. Uh, I went to the Coupe and we got some photos off a parent, which was, which was cool, but you know, it's not, it's not the same as having a professional out there that whose whole job is, is to shoot every single GB crew when they're there. Uh, I think that's that's really key. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pocock Racing Shells, a name synonymous with championship-winning boats and groundbreaking innovation for over a century. For 113 years, Pocock has been the heartbeat of rowing, crafting boats that have conquered waters, broken records, and earned medals like no other. Our legacy is your assurance 
of quality and performance. Our dedicated customer base includes prestigious Division I colleges and universities, as well as countless smaller schools and clubs across the USA. We're honored to be your trusted partner in the world of rowing. But what sets Pocock apart? We remain family-owned committed to preserving our rich tradition of handcrafting every boat right here at Everett, Washington. With unparalleled service staff and decades of knowledge, we are well prepared to help keep you on the water and ready for race day. Be sure to catch us at this year's upcoming regattas, where we'll be unveiling the future of rowing, the X1X and the X4, the next evolution in our X-Series boats coming in 2024. That's amazing. That really is amazing. I'm sure a lot of people don't realize the amount of work that goes into things, trying to plan out you know, when you're going to events, you know, it takes time and effort and also money too. Like, you yeah. know, money could be lost. Yeah. Um, like it, it's a big thing. Like I think financially having a business that works, especially in, in something like media where, you know, anyone can pick up their phone and take a photo or anything like that. It immediately competes with ours. Or if anyone has a camera, they can kind of compete with us. So it's just trying to like, from a business point of view, as that's kind of like where, uh my requirement is in the business i have to make sure that everyone keeps getting paid there's events for everyone people can upgrade their gear they can pay for their rent etc um i've got to make sure that we're we're still covering the bottom line every single time so yeah whether that's marketing events to help boost other events or or as you mentioned already like just like making sure that we get capture every single crew co possible that's that's kind of like my job and then the rest of the team do a great job of of knowing which events they're going to and and covering that the fastest and the best and the highest quality that they can that kind of hopefully helps make us stand out to the point where no one else wants to take us on no totally has there ever been anyone that's ever told you that this isn't going to work for you you got to stop find yeah, something else a lot of people, i had a lot of people at school that like weirdly teachers at school that that were very annoyed by it but that's like that's a classic we always have have people that that kind of don't see the the full future potential and that's fine like i think no no one really knows what the future potential is we'll just have to like try our best and give it a go we've got like cool growth ideas in 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 like the secret vault that's locked away but i think hopefully over time like those will come to fruition and, and we can see how well how well they do it never has to be a multi-million pound business it can just do what it's doing at the moment just fine it ticks along quite nicely we do quite well you never know there might be some people out there that are now shocked that we're not a multi-million pound business but we're, we're not <laughs> fake it till you make it that's that's how it works there you go i wanted to talk about your career as a coxswain we talked a little mm -hmm. bit about inspiration and what you used to do as a coxswain but actually what it meant to you to be a coxswain how did you influence your team or aim to influence your team a strong coxswain can take a crew anywhere and anywhere i mean like from you know 60th place to you know top five it's that extra it's that special sauce i think i touched on earlier it's a little bit harder when you're in a big team so at school like i was all right like i was top seat like it was it was kind of just like be the coach the the motivator the mate etc etc and you just have to tick every box possible and you're just going through trying to trying to tick every single box you can at university it's definitely a lot different in a big team especially because you can't be everything everyone's always got like a little bit of special sauce that they've got and you can't expect to have that for absolutely everything someone like harry had the experience like no nobody on the team could have ever competed with with his level of experience something happens in a race Chances are he's already done it. And that, that was that was that one. Scott got on great with with loads of the older guys. And that was something that none of us could ever replicate. 
and that was that was his like special source and i'd like to think that mine was kind of like additional knowledge was kind of the way that i'd like put it along like i try and have the answers to to as many things as possible and if i didn't have the answers i'd kind of know where to go and get them from or at least be able to work it out and that that kind of meant that after like a year or so of being in the team all of us were able to like bounce off each other quite well we all were able to ask each other questions and and get answers off each other and that kind of it's not necessarily about being like the number one athlete all the time uh in a program like that it's about having the ultimate team because it's better to come first and second with a gap to everyone else than have a crew that's come first by double the distance but the other crews come fourth or something like it's it sounds really weird to say but that that is kind of it like you're you're trying to push as many athletes across the line in front of someone else that you can and if that if that's more than one eight then it's more than one eight and that's that's really key what were some of the boats that you like to be in? Any any type of I'm I'm talking about like an actual boat shell itself. Oh, like uh, I mean at uni we we only like only used Mpacker eights and fours, uh, which was which was a pretty like easy thing for me. I do like loads of other boats with my job now. The team at Wintech are really good to us, and I've had a few goes in their King Eights, and I think they're nearly identical as an Mpacker, uh, at least a steer anyway. So that's quite fun. But at university, it was. Because every boat was nearly identical, it meant that you could hop in and out of each one and and you wouldn't have to think anything different. We had one that was the the custom-built London 2012-8 from the GB Men's 8. It was really cool. Uh, it didn't turn, ever. And so that was that was a fun one to deal with. I think those were all like really easy. At that point, it's a tool to do the job, if that makes sense. It sounds really boring. It's, it's the same like me with cameras now. You have a passion to begin with, and then it becomes a tool for a task. And you have, like, I think, the reason why we went with MPACs at Brooks. The coaches know a lot more than I do, but it's it's like the, the number of things that go wrong on it is significantly less. Or the, the difficulty that you have to put into it to make something go wrong is significantly more. And, and that's like that was kind of the deciding factor for them from what I believe. There was one really cool Cox tour that I used it at the end of my very last year that was like super short and that made it really fast at high rate. I I nerd out. There are, there's a few friends that I have uh, in the rowing world that we nerd out with about boats, but that's a pretty rare thing to be able to do. I think a lot of people do see them as tools and I think a lot of people are too cool to nerd out about boats or at least they pretend to be anyway. I know. And I mean, I guess this goes back to my question about you as a coxswain. What are the Top five things you got to bring with you to the water every day. One, like really easy ones in the UK, you have to have a life jacket. That's that's really easy in the UK. Uh, you want to find the lightest one possible. Don't want to take any extra weight with you. Uh, mine was from like the 1990s. I'm pretty sure if we had to set it off, I'm not sure how good it would have been at keeping me afraid. But like I, I went for the lightest one possible and I found a really old one that, that was really good at that. Stuff that you don't skimp on weight with, cox boxes, I used the NK one, uh, the, the the balls to the wall NK system. Uh, I really liked that. I knew that I could trust the data. I could download the data afterwards. I've still got it all somewhere if I need to go back and look at it. I've got years of years of exported data. Spanners, really easy ones. Um, usually like in some sort of pouch. Spanners, Allen keys. We had telemetry on all the Brooks 8s. So you needed like a special Allen key for adjusting those, that type of stuff. And I used to take my phone as well. I think we're at, we're at like four now, but but yeah, my phone was a really key one. Some crews take radios on the water. I know after going out with Washington, they had, they had radios there. I think lots of crews on the Tideway have have two-way radios as well but brooks we didn't school we didn't so just having a way to communicate with your coach if something goes wrong or be able to to do voice recordings 
You just use the voice memos app on your phone. Easiest way to do it. They're all pretty good by now. I think that was about it. That's that's four. Got to think of a fifth one. Speed coach strap for the, or like a speed coach holder. It's a really easy one. I didn't have it. Like loads of coxes take the straps with them because they are a lot easier. I had a solid like mounted one and used to have one of those with me at all times. It means that the stroke man never had to worry about where he was putting his speed coach or taping them between the shoes or that type of stuff. Like, just had a mount the whole time. Fantastic. There you go. Top five things for Roy Crookshank. I feel like I'm on the <laughs> show. It's like, I think it's GQ. Or is that what it is? Where they do the top five? Uh, yeah, yeah. All top I've five. done there is I've, I've basically just told people to go to NK's website and go buy some stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's funny. Uh, NK, yeah, I mean, they're liable. You know, that's one thing about NK is that you can, you can rely on them. Yeah, we've got a great company in that. So you don't buy directly from NK here in the UK. We have a we have a company called Allsport that do Wintex and Kings, but they also do all the NK stuff. And their customer services is second to none. Like there, there were a few events, I think the semi-final of Henley in 2021. Uh, overnight, someone had gone through the boat and ripped all the speed coach mounts off the boat. No idea why. And that was like a like a 15 minute until we boat type type job so being able to have like a company on site that were there with their vans and and all these spares that we could kind of just like whack in the boats makes a big difference hold on a second somebody just took off the mounts of a speed coach for what reason i don't know if we had a speed coach in it in which case that'd make a lot more sense but you can just slide them out but evidently they just like grabbed them and pulled and the mounts just get like the sticky mounts straight off the shell um so that was a all right, we need to go find some more mounts type thing. And in the UK, we've got a great company that's that's run by a few mates of ours. So, and this is yeah. by Brooks. This is Brooks's boat shell. No, this is like this is um this is on the Henley Field. Basically, in 2021, we were on the other side of the bank, and I think overnight, someone had gone through all the boats and decided they wanted to try and nick as much stuff as possible. Probably nothing to do with rowing, but like hey. someone decided to go and do it and. If they had something to do with rowing, they probably wouldn't have ripped the mount off as well. They would have just taken it off nicely. Yeah, totally. I was going to say, breaking news. Watch your uh, speed coach mounts. But anyways. Yeah, watch watch your speed coaches and uh, your telemetry screens. Those look like mini iPads and they, <laughs> they're completely useless for anyone other than rowers. But yeah. I'm sure most people that see them hanging off the side of a boat decide that that they're worth a lot of money when they're, they're pretty useless. And then, you know, I guess some of the things I had, you have questions about is just, we talked about who didn't believe in you, people that, you know, thought that your idea was, was bogus or whatever. Who are the people that stuck by you that? I think that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty key. I think everyone always has like a few people that are like, yeah, this isn't going to happen or whatever. But I think I was really lucky. And I think everyone in, in our team was really lucky that we had really supportive people. I'm super lucky that I've got a super supportive family. My parents are really helpful and and definitely like pushed me in the right direction down this role. Got like great group of mates and all that type of stuff that that really like helped back me. I think it's also really important that when you've got friends in the community that they will quite like blindly support you as well. And that's that's really important. Like there are there are a lot of mates that that don't have to like go out their way to support me as much as they do and support all one as much as they do. But but they do and hopefully we'll we we have repaid that and and can continue to repay that in the future whether that's you know capturing lifelong moments or or not 
like that's kind of our job and them just telling us that we've done a cool job afterwards is is all we need back and that that's really key to be fair like i think just overall support is really important and and just like invites as well like as as athletes that go from really liking our work to being in a position of power uh whether they're a coach at a team or they're a the high-end athlete or something and they can start like pulling the strings a bit and getting us invites into sessions is really important um that's kind of where well, we are very lucky. Uh, we get invited to Oxford sessions, Cambridge sessions, Brooks sessions, Leander sessions, UL sessions, Thames sessions, like every big club in the UK that every rowing photographer wants to go and do. Like we're really lucky that those that those clubs want us there. And that's that's pretty unique, I'd like to say. Well, you know, what's cool about Almar Warren is that it's not just a UK thing. It's, I mean, even though in your, in your Instagram, it's, you know, home of UK you know, and rowing. However, you do come out to the United States, baby. There is there is a three-week gap in October where there is absolutely nothing in the UK going on. And there's a there's a there's a small little event in Boston called Head of the Charles that we decided to go to. But yeah, again, like same same example there. Scott is uh, is the assistant coach of Brown. Uh, is one of the assistant coaches of, of Brown Men's Crew. And uh, over over the years, we've been able to follow his his coxing career, and we're now in a position where we can work together in the future. So we've gone there two years in a row now. There are a few other athletes that. They're really key. We followed uh, Lauren Carey, uh, Sophia Hahn during their like junior careers and and international careers, and that meant that we were able to go to Yale straight afterwards. And same thing for Harvard and Boston University and, and stuff like that. Like we were able to go to all these all these like huge teams that I don't know how accessible they are for for US photographers, but like being able to go behind those closed doors and go along for sessions is is really important to us and it does great on social media as well so it really helps us and then we have head of the trials where we we try and do the best job we can and try and compete with the likes of of sports graphics and road uk which is a companies that we don't have in the uk uh and being able to to play with the big boys there is is quite fun but yeah we we see them over here for we see um the road uk lot over here for for henley but being able to go on their own home turf and and like take images and see see how we stack up is is really key. And hey, the the US market is very different to the UK market, but like it's it's a fun challenge. And I think that's that's something that I think as an athlete you enjoy, but especially as a business owner, you you really freaking enjoy it. Enjoy it. When you're a coxswain on a big team, how do you stand out? Yeah, you've just got to have like something unique. You're not going to be the like the ultimate unique athlete. Everyone's trying to go for it, but but there's going to always be something that someone else is better than you at. You've just got to find like a little bit that that gets you there, whether you're better at, you know, understanding telemetry data live on the water, or you're better at understanding boat feel in a bow loaded coxed four when you can't see what's going on, or you understand the guys a lot better, or like the athletes in the team, you understand the boats work a lot better or steering, all those type of things. Like there, there are little things that like one thing can can help you and if and if you are like the one that is the best at steering a boat or you're the best at understanding the telemetry in the boat it just gives you a a little tick more than anyone else you've just got to hope that your your tick is a little bit bigger than everyone else's ticks basically also how was your experience with UW also got to see some great some great videos of coach Callahan we talked about him but again it's pretty hard to get (laughs) onto the podcast yeah it was really cool 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 thing um i've never been to seattle before so that was a it was a cool call to get basically is um is to be able to go and do that uh we kind of started talking uh just before head of the charles 
where they did this this cool second eight project with Wintech ahead of the Charles, where they raced down in a in a wooden boat. But it was it's like the full carbon fiber spec king, but it's it's got like wood veneer on everything. So that was really cool um, to go and make some videos for them there. That was kind of like the start of the boys in the boat. Like hype was beginning in at the end of October, uh, and then went there in December uh, before the movie dropped. Got to go see a screening with with all the athletes and U.S. rowing team athletes and all the UW alumni and stuff. And that was that was really cool. I think it was potentially the coolest screening that anyone's ever gonna ever gonna see of that movie. If I could like can up that screening and sell it to people, I'm sure it would be worth a lot of money being in being in one of our seats. So that was that was really awesome and and being able to invite being able to be one of those people invited to that event was was truly like a, a one in a lifetime experience. I don't think don't think we'll have a rowing movie again where we can go along to you know, a screening with the entire team and national team members and, and stuff. Uh, so that was really cool. And then really, it's a bit like Brown University in the sense that like the water expanse is, is just huge. Like the amount of rowable water there is is mental and it's something that we don't don't have here in the UK. We have some big harbours that are about the same size, but they're full of full of pretty big ships going around. So like might have just been the time of year, but it was it was an insane place to to go and shoot some rowing definitely some challenges with with lighting and weather and all that type of stuff it rains a lot in seattle it rains a lot here but it rains a lot in seattle especially the week that we went i think we got a month's worth of rain in three days or something uh which was which was pretty mad but you know it's all part of all part of the process and that's kind of why people pick us as we've kind of been there and done that before and we've we've definitely done the rowing shooting before so being able to do it in harsh weather is is only a small change rather than you know shooting rowing for the first time and in bad weather is is, is a pretty big one any upcoming projects that we could know about any hints or anything like that that you can share no u.s projects yet there's there's one in the works but to tbd on that one which would be really cool a, a summer u.s project over in the states which would be really cool it would be over sooner than we think but it's kind of it just gets busy in the uk now over the next few weeks we have the boat race crew announcements which is really cool we're doing it's usually a you know read list off name athlete comes out take a photo athlete leaves which you know it's been done like that for years uh this year it seems like it's going to be like a party also i mean say it's, it's it'll be wild i don't know we're, we're going to like one of the the latest building refreshes in london we're going to battersea power station for a, a cool crew announcement there and then all the head races start and then regatta season gets underway and, and those type of things. So it gets busy and then it's Olympic year. So as much as all Mark one will not be attending the Paris Olympics, the exciting part for us is all the athletes that are looking at the LA games in 2028. are going to be really busy doing, doing other international racing. So being able to hopefully go and cover a bit of that will be, will be really exciting. Uh, just following like that development team athletes now, at which point, which we followed since they were 17 years old, is going to be really exciting to see how, how they get out. I can't wait to meet you in a hopefully, I mean, I hope I get to meet you before LA 2028, but you know, when you get to, <laughs> come out to my state, you know, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I'd, I'd love to do a U.S. tour at some point. Uh, we've got, I've, we we're, over the years we've built up, friendships and, and business relationships with with people in all over the country so I'd, I'd really like to be able to put aside 
like two or three months and do a proper US tour at some point. That would be amazing. We'll get the business to a point first and then and then I'll come over in like a March, April, May or something and, and come do a load of stuff. Talking about, you know, that amazing time that you had your last your last go around in Brooks at what you call Bucks here in the United States, you know, the Bucks for us is Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, but for you guys, British <laughs> University champs. So let's talk about that. That'd be great. Yeah, it's it's a bit like NCAA's and IRAs. Um, the the highlight of of the Brooks season is is Henry Royal, but that year for the the student men, we just kind of misjudged it slightly, and we ended up not not having the great greatest Henley ever but seasons like that happen and you just kind of have to like go back and look at the bits that you were happy about I think a big thing that springs to mind for me is is the quote of like you've already achieved things that you said would make you happy is a really important one that I try and live by it's really easy to look at the next step and decide that you're going to be happy when you reach that goal and you're going to be happy when you reach the next goal but I know that that as a junior kid I knew that being able to race the weekend at Henny Royal and being able to go on and win Bucks Regatta uh, would would make me happy, and that was on that was on my list of things that I wanted to do. Winning Bucks also meant that we broke the record in in the in the process, still held today, uh, which is really exciting. Going five thirty one in a student men's eight or something is is an exciting thing to do. Brooks go really fast. There's like a twenty seven and a twenty eight or something on on the board somewhere but like there are there are really fast boats there but that was a really fun one to do doing like a 118 first 500 and and just being able to keep keep hold of it is is like a one in a lifetime experience like most most coxes would would die for that seat so being able to sit there was was really cool i think in general like you've you've got to take even the things that don't necessarily go entirely to plan and you've got to like go back another two steps and decide whether that was good enough for you to to be happy with it or all those type of things like i i built my way up inside one of the hardest programs in the uk to be what i think was a was a decently like important member uh, alongside so many others there were there were so many of us that were that were key to like that student success and so many that have come after us as well like someone like ben Hinvers that you had in your podcast all those type of people like went on and and kind of like built on that legacy and that was really important especially for a newer club most most clubs are a hundred years old or more, uh, especially in the UK. So having a club that started in in 1989 and having that legacy now is is really important to be part of. It really is amazing. And also, you know, uh, Coxon, Will Denigree, man, he's doing his thing too. It's exciting. We've seen him at trial eight. Seen him do some fixtures so far for Oxford University. Yeah, my my fingers are crossed. I'm I'm backing him for for the blue boat this year, but we'll we'll see. Touch touch wood. I think that's really exciting. Brooks is always well known for. Or at least, or at least, commonly known for uh, the the line is Brooks, not books. Uh, <laughs> of, of if you go to Brooks, you're not smart enough to go somewhere else. But but hopefully, having like an alumni that has gone on to go and do do a degree at Oxford University, hopefully, puts a, a small pin in that because I think some of the degrees that that people did there, mine not included, mine was pretty easy, but lots of other people's degrees were were incredibly hard and. Like, yeah. it's quite impressive seeing seeing those athletes go on and and do not only win world championship after world championship as will has but also go on and do potentially one of the hardest degrees in in the world at the top academic university in the world oh of course uh, 
I'm sure Cambridge and, and Harvard and stuff would like to fight that. But I think on the on the rankings, Oxford is currently sat number one. Pretty impressive. I'm proud of well, I got to meet him and a bunch of the guys at Crew Classic. That was a great experience, you know. They must have had a wild time out there. Uh, that, th- those are those are the trips that, you know, like everyone kind of looks back on it as like, I wish wish we did that back in our day. Those those type of trips. They're really cool. I mean, those guys are jack. They are big dudes. <laughs> And there's me and Will, and it's like, oh, okay. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, you guys just spent some time with Jack Pryor as well. Jack's doing his thing too. So it's just great yeah, that you've been back for housemates for a while. Two two years, me and Jack Pryor in the same house, which was which was a fun thing. We had we had a really good house for mm-hmm. for a while. And I'm not sure if it's a huge thing in the States, but like in in university, like five or six of you kind of like just go and rent a private house somewhere and, and you go and live there. And that that was really cool. Like just being able to, I was, it was the COVID year. So there was a lot of training from home and training in our garden and stuff. So yeah, like we became a close bunch there. And I think they're mates that you're going to have for life type thing. So that's totally. That's really... What's your experience been like with the rowing network? As in like the rowing network as a whole or Eamon's company, the rowing network? Well, Eamon's company, right network. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, Eamon's a great guy. And like, I'm I'm really excited to see how that grows. We like help out here and there, but like Eamon, Eamon's got his vision for that business. And I'm really excited to see where he takes that. Uh, if we're able to help with with giving some manpower every now and again, I'm, I said that we're more than happy to, but I'm, I'm sure he will spearhead that and make it into a, at least to start with a, a US rowing media giant and then and then take it worldwide, I'm sure. I think it's really exciting to see someone that's able to, something that we're really jealous of is is his access into the US rowing team. Uh, we we don't get that access here and it's, it's something we're working on, but I think having a more like larger network of, of people that work here at, at British Rowing means that there's there's a few more steps in the way, but I'm really excited to see how how he gets on that. Yeah, and I, I do have to shout out my man Nick Trojan as well on Instagram. Sneaky, you ever seen his stuff? I think I've seen the Yale video enough enough times. It was it was really really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's really again like we're we're slowly trying to build up to stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think our our Washington video that will come out uh, over the next few weeks. Maybe maybe months. Like it, the, all the videos in that, like that video is now completed. So whenever that decides to go out, I think that's our first step into those type of content. Like it's it's just really really exciting that that clubs like that are willing to trust us with those type of projects. It's a it's a big move taking people with we're not we're not ginormous, but we do have a big social media following for the rowing world. It is a risk taking someone like that behind the scenes and giving them access into stuff that that might be your trade secrets so like, i'm always really thankful of, of clubs that are going to take the risk with us but like i'm really excited to see that project go live and see how everyone finds it because i think that's that's probably one of the coolest videos we've done yet wow well i'm excited to see it i'm sure everyone else is too i appreciate you rory thank you so much and uh where can people find you and, and your content and what you do for, for work? I think I think the really easy one is is we're at all mark one on everything. That's all spelled out in words, O N E for one. And yeah, like go go check out our website if you're a US athlete. We've got some head of the Charles shots that you can go and have a look at. Otherwise, like our Instagram social media page is kind of where we we push all of our content as a as a photography based company. It's a really good platform for us. So that's that's kind of where I'd recommend that you go and push people. If you want to see some random funny content that we post once every two months or so you can go on tiktok and follow us there as well but it's pretty pretty rare that we post stuff on there thanks for having me man of course